White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 780. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. Live from the telepath colony on Babylon 5, where it's all hair gel all the time. It's oh the White Rocket. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the White Rocket Babylon Five Review Podcast. I am your host Van Allen Plexico, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Andy Fix. How are you tonight in faraway uh, Babylon Five land, Andy? I'm doing just fine, man. You know we can't be from the the telepath colony because we're not just standing around leaning against the wall looking cool. Looking it cool. It seems to me that's all the telepaths try to do. That's I mean, all they they, do. the one guy even had a book that he wasn't even really reading. It was he, so he, bad. He couldn't have cared less that Garibaldi took his book away and threw it down. He was right. like, it was, it was just a prop, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it was upside down. Right? It was probably upside down anyway. Oh, we've, we're uh, cracking on the telepaths. All right. So if, if you're under over on how many episodes into season three would it be before Andy and Van started cracking on the telepaths, the answer is three. <laughs> so if you had three, you win the pool of how many episodes before we start cracking on the telepaths. But I actually have something that I have, I have a little something to say about that, though, that might surprise you, but we'll All get right. to it. All right. So how are things going in otherwise? Other than not being in the telepath colony, how are things for you currently, sir? Things things are going fine. We're, the, the, it's, we're in the, we're getting the, the polar vortex temperatures so yep. it's it's a little chilly here but uh for the most part everything's going well how about you yeah yeah no i've spent a lot of today trying to figure out the problems with the internet connection here in my house and i had at&t out the last two days working all around my house on it and i've been walk i've spent the last hour walking around my house with my ipad checking the internet speed test every three or four steps i took in every room and what i've basically discovered is that at any given moment my house either has like 80 uh mbps per second or two which is good or two which is bad which right. is really bad <laughs> and it could be in the same room five minutes apart i i don't understand it i don't know uh i'm you know my studio is in the basement and so i have a google nest to try to get a better connection here and it's still it's at like four right now so we'll see how this goes. So if you kind of lag and drop out a little bit, it's probably on my end. We still don't have fiber optic. Yeah. That's the main problem. Yeah. So Well, and you're using, well, I don't know if we should say the name of the, the company you're using, but they're a terrible company. Yeah. It rhymes with AT&T. Yeah, I think I did, actually. But, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's almost like I'm getting internet from Interplanetary Expeditions, IPX. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna send Max Eilerson out here to do some work on it with his cat Max. Wait, no, he, wait. Like, he didn't have Max. Somebody else had Max. Who was his? It's cat? like brother Theo, brother Theo's group is your IT department. Oh or something. God, Lord, that's that's about <laughs> they're, it. They're, 
they're pulling out the scrolls. And <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, they're they're gonna say a prayer for my internet. Is how they're gonna fix it. Well, maybe last night. <laughs> yeah, um, we're here tonight to talk about uh, the third episode of season five, otherwise known as five oh four, because don't even get me started on that again. Also right. called the Paragon of Animals. And it's going to be very interesting to hear what you think about it, because I think we all went into this season kind of having a sense of where it might be going, but we kind of felt that way with season one. So we're going to see, right? We're going to, we're going to bear our souls here to our audience and, um, and let them know what we thought about this one. And we're going to go in obviously in some great detail, but first, do we have any announcements I, you know what? I have a couple things that I saw JMS posted on his mm. his Twitter. It's not Twitter anymore. Now it's X. Mm-hmm. That that uh, JMS X'd about. Yeah. <laughs> um, the first one. You can X me anything you want. <laughs> the first one was somebody asked him about why uh, they're apparently they're rewatching Babylon Five right now as well because they asked him why. Do they treat Lita so poorly? You know, we've had this discussion yes, a lot. Yes. Why is Lita so why is Lita so horribly treated? Yes. And he said part of it was her growing power level starting to scare people, but mainly I wanted to talk a little about how warriors are so often forgotten or ill treated once the war is over. I that's thought that le- was fascinating. That's legit. That's legit. I Yeah, I, I never thought about that. I never thought I, about that angle. Well, because she's a weapon. They used her as right. a tool, and then they discarded her as if she wasn't right. a person. I, I'm going to add one thing to that. I think that's I, – well, obviously, JMS said it. He knows what he's talking about, but he's also inside the box of himself. So, um, right. But I would add this. I think that his agenda, his plan, his plot right for the story was for her to start getting – and I, I, this is not a spoiler because we saw it in this episode – for her to start getting interested in what Byron's selling. And for her to get affected to him, she has to get disaffected from everybody else. And if they'd been treating her nicer, it would have been much harder, if not impossible, for Byron to start pulling her over. So I I feel like JMS started setting this up in season four to a certain degree. Um, You know, I guess just in case, you know, the idea that they were going to take her for granted and the the shock in this episode when they when Sheridan thanks her was it no or Garrett was it, who was it thanked her Sheridan or Sheridan Sheridan thanked her yeah you saved a lot of lives thank At, you to the end he turns around and yeah you saved a lot of, thank you and she yeah she looked like yep oh my gosh he thanked me I can't believe it she she was shocked right. when he did that which I th- think said a lot right so yeah I, I buy into that but I think it was also a plot device kind of a combination Agreed. of the two yeah. Right. Little, I, I just thought that it was interesting that he addressed that because yes. you know he obviously listens to our show, so oh. it's, it's cool that he's you know responding to us. Well, who doesn't? And why? <laughs> why wouldn't he? Of course, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Did you say you had another one, or was that the the sum total of I, the? I, 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 I no, I, I do have another one. Okay. Somebody asked him about uh, can we suggest to you casting suggestions for oh, the reboot, God. and he said absolutely not. Can't suggest anything. Uh, and then they to were him. like, "Well, yeah, well, why not?" And he says, "Every time we start to get traction selling the show, 
Warner Brothers gets bought or does another merger and everything gets put on hold again. Yep. So now we're waiting for the Paramount situation to settle down, which is what we brought up yep. last week or yep. last episode. So, yep. yeah, it looks like that it, it officially is on hold until they settle the Paramount situation, which could take three to five years. If they, oh God, if they merge with Paramount, I don't think there's any way they ever do anything Babylon 5 again because they'll see nope. it as like too much of a direct competitor to right. Star the, Trek. The, they're, Paramount's all in on Star Trek. They're doing yeah. four oh, or yeah. five different shows currently they're they're not going to want to do a babylon 5 show as well because it's like you said competition oh it's like when marvel bought, bought malibu comics because they wanted their color processing machinery and they're like oh we'll <laughs> we'll take care of these characters we'll bring and they've never been seen again yeah. they prime, went a, prime had like one issue after marvel bought them and that's pretty that much it. it they went in a box somewhere and they've been in a vault locked up ever since for like what 20 years 30 years yeah, twenty five years. So, yep. Yeah, I I, I agree. Yep. I, it's I, I and see you and I and our listeners all know that it's like there's there's not a competition there. It would be like not doing a Battlestar Galactica show because you had Star Trek. It's different, right? But they're right. not going to see it that way. If if Warner and Paramount are together, yeah. yes, they're not going to think that way. They're going to think, right. oh, we can't let anything interfere with our with our cash baby yep so me you know the toy company Mego used to buy up all the licenses to all the the, the science fiction stuff that was coming out so they wouldn't compete with micronauts design except for one which was star wars they didn't even have they, they they didn't think star wars was going to be anything so they didn't even bother buying that license but every other license they, they snatched up and then <laughs> didn't do anything with just to, to catch and kill right exactly Exactly. That's exactly it. Yep. It, it's just it's it's too bad that we're we're just now entering a silver age for the Babylon Five franchise, where it's starting to get the attention again. We got the 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 new animated movie. We have it on streaming, and it, it's finally looking like it's getting some traction. And just as that happens, corporate shenanigans and and corporate you know decisions are going to end up possibly killing it, the franchise. And it's 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 just so disappointing. Yeah. No, it really is because I honestly, I mean, I'm the eternal optimist about everything except long-lasting professional football in Birmingham, Alabama, which I know is never going to happen. <laughs> but everything else, I just assume is going to work, right? I like to think things are going to work out, and so when people were saying this is never going to work, I'm like, no, no, guys, it's really going to work, and I get kicked in the teeth again. It gets tiresome. Yeah. It gets tiring after a while. It does. It, it, it they're just shooting themselves in the foot because this is a gold mine. Yeah, you know. Babylon Five is a gold mine. It is. Oh yeah. It is such a well thought out and and well built and well realized science fiction setting. They could milk this thing for decades if they had half a brain. And it's so different from Star Trek, but they can't see that if they just look at the superficialities. Right. Right. Well, because it's corporate thing. You know, you, yeah. you have the corporate executives that that don't know Star Trek from Star Wars, from Babylon Five, from Battlestar Galactica. It's all, it's all, they're they're spaceships and laser guns. That's all. Exactly. They yeah, that's it. That's it. So, uh, the only announcement I had was that we had briefly spoken last time about JMS having a new book out, and I went and got a little more information. It's called The Glass Box. And the, the little quick description says, from award-winning author J. Michael Straczynski comes The Glass Box is a hard-hitting, fast-paced sci-fi novel about the choices we make and the ramifications we face. 
perfect for fans of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. Now, I want you just to dis- to, to yes. break th- break that paragraph down for a second. In in the same little paragraph, <laughs> it says it's a fat it's a hard hitting fast paced sci fi novel, and right. then it says perfect for fans of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. <laughs> Am I missing something here, Andy? I didn't realize One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was an epic, hard hitting, fast paced sci fi story. Well, yeah, that it had that whole franchise with the multiple sequels and the action figures and all that stuff. Two flew over the cuckoo's that? nest. Three flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, 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 but I, it's like they're just throwing buzzwords out there. The cuckoo strikes back. Revenge of the cuckoo. There you go. Return, the return. The the return of the cuckoos. Yeah. Oh. You could you could go, you could go on. The comedy could, writes itself, man. I and and therefore I'm not needed, and so I'll move along. Right. <laughs> Just let it write itself, and I'll move on. All right. Let me remind everybody: we don't have ads on this here program, uh, and that's because the fine folks that went to www.b5review.com and joined up to become a patron by clicking on the box and going to patreon.com there, and it'll take you over there to to sign up to become a patron. We would certainly appreciate your support. There's a couple of benefits you get off the top of my head. One is you get the episode several days before the folks that, that get it off the regular podcast feeds because you can get it on Patreon immediately. As soon as it's, we, we, you get the still wet smoking cut on there immediately rather than it sitting on the server for several days so that it goes up on Monday mornings. So, like, in other words, it goes up Monday mornings. You would get it like the previous Thursday or Friday, something like that at the worst, usually. Uh, the other benefit you have is that we have a very lively set of comments about every episode, and we read them on the air and discuss them, and we really appreciate our great patrons who are many of them, most of them, do that and are very entertaining, very intelligent. They come up with stuff better than we do a lot of the time, and it's fun to talk right. about, and it's great to have them participate in the show. So if you want to join in the fun, Go to www.b5review.com, become a patron, and uh, you can be part of our little Babylon 5 family that has these fun conversations every couple of weeks. And you know, Van, that is my favorite segment of, of our program every every episode is the, the reader oh, yeah. comments. I just oh. love listening to them. Oh, yeah. Get some actual intelligence on here for one moment of our show <laughs> instead of our rambling. Sure. Uh, Andy, we've talked about a couple of things coming up, including at some point we're going to do more Stargate Universe, right? Correct. We're not going to just leave it fallow. We're going to go back in there and maybe review a couple more. I'm yep. telling you, there's some good ones coming up, man. Oh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. By, by the end of that third episode, I was mm. I was ready to jump in. I thought yeah. that was yeah. well well done. Oh, it gets so much better. It they really figure out what works and they start focusing on that and they hit it hard and just like any Stargate, right? They figure out what works yeah. with the with the chemistry and they throw in right. some quirky weird stuff and it's. They run. That's great. That's yeah. great. So quirky, weird stuff, and then C four. <laughs> yes, they do love them some explosives on that on that in that franchise. Yeah, just the way that Babylon Five loves some nuclear warheads, the right. Stargate Universe loves some loves some standard explosives, some conventional explosives. Yeah. Uh, smiling right. Johnny was like C four. <laughs> hold my beer. <laughs> hold my Jovian hold my sunspot, sunspot, Andy. <laughs> Don't you, sh- don't you short our old buddy? Uh, what's his name? The story editor like that. Larry, yeah. Larry Dottilio. Larry, Larry Dottilio. Man, good old Larry. Oh my goodness. Did I tell you? I probably forgot to tell you this. 
I was listening to or reading. I read with my ears because I'm a truck driver. Yeah. I was listening to uh, the the history of of um, of the role playing game industry by by Shannon Applecline. It's called Designers and Dragons, right? And yeah. he breaks down each book is about a decade. So the very first one is about the 70s. And there's uh, one company that he talks about, and I forget what the name of the company was off the top of my head now. But he goes on and on about this this new writer that came in from the TV called Larry Dottilio. Oh. And he's got like a, a, a five-minute segment about Larry and his writing and what he contributed to the, the, early, the early days of the role-playing game industry and all that stuff. It was really cool. I was like, I know that guy. Yes. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Well, so yeah, but I highly recommend the the books. They're called Designers and Dragons, and they're just fantastic. Oh, I see. I just looked up what you're talking about. There's like a separate book for each decade. Yes. I just opened up goes, in the seventies. There's it's, it's yeah, a fourteen and a half hour book just on the seventies. Yes. He My goes God. into in depth detail about every company that released a game in that decade. He Get goes into the it's it's fascinating. Even if you're not really into Dungeons and Dragons or whatever, just listening to all this stuff, it was really yeah. cool. I, I don't I I know I completely sidetracked this, but it was because I lived that. I, I started yeah. playing Dungeons and Dragons yeah. in 1978, so I I lived all the history that he's talking about. So it's really cool to me. But uh, I yeah, it, it was cool to to see him mention Larry Dottilio and, and give a little bit of background on him and his contributions to a whole different than yeah. you know how we know him. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've listened to a couple of books about the origins and the history of role playing games. There was one we talked about before, I forget which was called. Right. Um, but uh, but that's interesting. I have to check that out. I'm big on history. I'm big on that kind of stuff. So all that together would be fun. I'll check that out. All right, we are here to talk tonight about five o four, which is the Paragon of Animals, and. Yep. Um, we experienced immediately a crisis, and not just the internet crisis of our connection, because of my stupid internet, but also that the Lurker's Guide episode guide page went down. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's still down. I haven't checked today. But we separately found workarounds. You found a workaround, and I found a workaround. So I was able to get in there and, and look at the notes. But that was a crisis for, five, for a couple of minutes. I Honestly, I don't use the Lurker's Guide. I only The only workaround I found was... When you gave me, I, I just typed it into Google search and it, it brought up the one page. It what apparently what we found out is that the index page for the episodes yeah was no longer the links weren't there anymore or wasn't working the, anymore. The page just wasn't but opening. You, yeah, right. But if you, if you typed in the individual episodes, you could bring that up. But honestly, I I I, I have never done a deep dive into lurker's guide or anything like that the, the page to looking at that at that page on my phone it's very difficult for me to, to parse everything it, it's not oh, it's yeah. not built for the, the oh, small no. screen it's no it was like built when it was built when the show was right. on <laughs> right. um, it was built in the 90s before the phones were even around so yeah, oh exactly why. well no and and the, the thing is we need the lurker's guide for if nothing else we need the p5 rating for you to guess <laughs> if we couldn't have access to the P5 rating anymore, this show would come to a screeching halt until we got it back. So so you figured out to just search for the episode, and I figured out that I had actually left that index page open on my iPad before it crashed. And so if I just kept oh, okay. it open, I could link from it without closing it, right? Just open a new page. <laughs> right, right. So that, um, yeah, so that worked out. So one way or another, we have our P5 rating number. So let me go ahead and, and talk for a second about this one. Oh, so you want to do this? You want to do the summary this time? You want me to do it? 
No, I can do the summary this time. Right, um, I'm curious to hear your summary of this one. <laughs> you actually put Sheridan? thought into the summary, so it's <laughs> going to be interesting. In this episode, uh, President Sheridan faces the Alliance's first real crisis. And in the meantime, uh, Mr. Garibaldi comes up with a plan to put the telepaths to use for the Alliance. Yes. Yes. Um, this The guest stars this episode, not a lot. We really are, I think, seeing in two ways... Uh, the impact of the budget on season five and the reduced cast. Yeah. Again, because we've yes. talked before, no more Morden, no more Kosh, no more Susan, yep. no more Marcus, right? I mean, on, yep. uh, no more Sinclair, even as a guest star, uh, Zathras. I mean, it's like, it's a, it's a different show. All the kind of quirky, colorful characters kind of sucked out of it by this point. Um, but we do have, oh, the other way is, is the special effects, which I got something to say about in a minute. Uh, we have Robin Atkin Downs as Byron, and yep. well, sound the horns, roll out the red carpet, Kim Strauss is back in perhaps right. his most demanding performance as Drazi Ambassador. Man, he, he, he gets to actually do some acting for once. Usually right. he's just, well, all right, so we know there's the geometry of shadows. That was the big Drazi episode before. Right. Green purple, right? They got to do some right. serious green purple action there. Yep. Other than that one, this is like the most drowsy action we've really had, right? And I didn't and see that, that was, coming. It, it it made me sad, and I'll, we'll get into that in the yeah yeah. It, it made me sad, and I'm gonna have to turn, yeah turn heel. Turn heel. They they are always heels. They're they're jerks. No, they were you know they 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 were like the Steve Austin. Of the wrestling world, they were jerks, <laughs> but they were lovable jerks. Okay, they they weren't the the heels that would actually cheat. <laughs> well, okay. Um, here is an actual quote from the Drazi ambassador in this episode. Then, since you put it that way, whether you like it or not, learn to love it because it's the best thing going today. Woo! Woo! <laughs> You gotta have that woo in there. You asked for it. You got it there. I didn't. I didn't have that queued up. But when you said the wrestling thing, I'm like, oh, I got that for you. I got that on the soundboard now. I'm ready for that. So anyway, all right. So I, I'm 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 getting ready. I'm getting my Kim Strauss Drazi voice warmed up because you know I love to do the Kim Strauss Drazi voice. I don't always do a great job with it, but it's fun to try. So it'll have its moment coming up now, though. Now we get to my favorite part of the episode, which is Andy guesses the P5 rating for this episode. I love this part so much. And this is one reason why you can't go on the Lurker's Guide page, because you can't cheat. You can't find <laughs> right. out what the numbers are. You have to guess, right? Right. So this is where, when the show originally aired, the Lurker's Guide website would poll hundreds of fans around the world and get them rate the ep to rate the episode that had just aired for the first time on a scale of zero to 10. And it comes down to two decimal places like, you know, 5.55 or something. Okay. So what we like to do here is see if Andy can guess what the P5 rating was way back when it first aired. And by the way, by the way, I said the, this was production number 504, the original air date that you're guessing was February 4th, 1998. Good Lord. I'm old. Febu February 4th, 1998. All right. What was the right. P5 rating? And, and explain how you how you derive at this formula. I, I usually take what I think our 
average rating is going to be, and I double it because, of course, it only we only go to five. Yeah. So I'll double our rating, and then I try to, <laughs> I try to, <laughs> I tweak I try it. to add. Yeah. I I tweak it. I add a little something to it, and I can't say how much I add to it because it, it's all by feel. Yeah. I just add a little something to it to to account for the fact that you know this this was viewed for the first time by Babylon Five fans who have never seen it before versus us who are looking at it with an analytical eye and have seen mm. it dozens of well have seen it more than once. Yeah, this season you can just say more than once and probably stop there because some right. of these it may <laughs> some of these it may be twice and that's it honestly. <laughs> right. I'm going to say... And by the way, we have to say Andy's always really close. You're usually like within... Not not always. Not always, but you're usually really, really close. Uh, And I always get... Oh, man. You always always miss it under. Yeah, you always miss it under. It's just so funny. So so I'm going to have to adjust how much I add to it. I'm going to say 7.8. 7.8. The yeah, actual me being generous. The actual P five rating for this episode, Andy, is eight point sixteen. Holy crap! Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't eight, see it. <laughs> eight eight point one six. Well, folks, I think we know where this one's going to go with Andy tonight. That'll be uh, fun. But you, but you know what? The vampire chic thing was in back then. The, yeah. With the flowing lock. And yes. The fruity stuff. Maybe maybe I need to take that more into account because. Well, Wow! Well, I mean, there were people. Nineties. So there were people piling on the telepaths from day one. Let's let's don't start this false narrative that people thought Byron and his crowd were cool for five minutes and then turned on them. No, no. From day one, people were like, "Ugh, Byron and the telepaths." Ugh. I mean, from day one, when we didn't even know what was going to be done with them, what was going to happen to them, other than. I can't say it. It's a, in fact, there is a spoil. I didn't have any spoilers for this one, but I think I just thought of uh, of um, I just thought of one. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a mention of it. All okay. Right. Now I've made a I've made a note down in the spoiler space, which we'll get to at the end of the podcast. Because as you all know by now, right, we save our spoilery stuff for the very end, except for the stuff that we accidentally say. Uh, we try to. <laughs> we try to. Uh, this one was d- written, of course, by JMS. I got to keep saying that because season five has a couple that he was not either the writer right. or not the only writer. Right. So written by JMS, directed by Mike Vehar. So there's another big. They bringing all the big guns back for this season. Right. They're not skimping on the directors anyway. Um, okay. Some random factoids and notes. And by the way, I want to point out. No Lockley this episode, so three episodes yeah. in and she's already missing. I feel like that was a misstep. Yeah, I do too. That, that I mean, she was in the first one, and then she hasn't been around since then. Was she not in the second one? She was not. Wow. What, wait, was she? I can't. She wasn't in it for much then, if she was. You, okay, she wasn't. No Compromises was the second one. No. No, no, no Compromises, compromises was the beginning. Yeah. No compromises with the was the first one. Yeah, she, she was, was in not it. in the very she was not in the very long night of Alondo Malari at all. Wow, and not in this one. So we've got a new commander right. and now she's not she's not to be right. seen. And that's another sign of just this show being so much smaller. I mean So much smaller, yeah. It, yeah. My the, wife was watching the this was her first episode five or first season five episode that she watched. Yeah. And she looked at me and she goes, This isn't Babylon five at all. She says, This is this doesn't feel right it doesn't feel the same it's interesting i I like getting an outside perspective like that 
Great. Yeah. No. This. It's. 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 So here's the thing. I, I'm glad you brought. I'm glad you mentioned this because I wanted to get into this just for a second. To me, the thing about this season so far, and I don't know if it's going to continue. I think it does continue this way. The thing about it for me is what it has to say for itself is it's more Babylon Five overall, right, to a degree, and it's the it, it's some of the characters that we've gotten to know really well and love still interacting with each other. So we've still got Sheridan, we've still got Delin, we've still got Londo and Jakar. Um, but other than that, it is a different show. It's, it's a show about diplomacy and politics and bureaucracy. Right. It's not a show about space opera anymore, really. Although there was a tiny bit of it in this episode. But it's not the grand space opera anymore. Right. It, and it could have been. I mean, I guess if he had the budget and, and had yeah. the, the reins loosened a little bit, it, you could have incorporated all this stuff into a space opera type show. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. It it it, it he somehow somehow they managed to make uh, this is just an example. They managed to make the conference the the alliance conference room seem smaller than in previous seasons. And that's saying something. It didn't it feel it didn't it feel that way? I mean, they only yeah. shot it from two different angles and yeah. it was always from down low and at an angle mm-hmm. because the room that they were filming in the set was even smaller than it had been in previous uh, seasons. I mean, it was it just seemed very very tiny. Yeah, for our that newer listeners, yeah. for our newer listeners, Andy and I have always said it, what they probably should have done is just film the council scenes in the garden. Right. Like like have the chambers for the council to meet out in that big open area so you have a huge interesting backdrop rather than just some spray painted uh, plywood. Right. It it just I had more to say about that coming up, but yeah, right. it, it the the, and, the show feels the show feels more like an episode of The Office, where they they're no longer filming. It's a workplace. In, in, it's a workplace drama right. comedy now. Yeah, you're right. Right, right. With very small rooms and and yeah. there's no big grand vistas or anything like that. It just it just feels very small. And just one on one conversations between people. Exactly. That's it. it. Yep. 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 I was yep. waiting for Mindy to come out. <laughs> Mindy Kaling to come out and complain about something and Michael and all that. Right. <laughs> I was always a fan of the British office, but I, I know the American a little bit. Um, yeah, the other thing, I, I was going to say this later, but I'll mention it now since we're talking about it, is that um, JMS always said this season was going to be empire building. And you can see, particularly in this episode, kind of what he means, but it comes across more as bureaucracy building. Right. I don't feel that anything Sheridan is doing is creating an empire. I feel like he's finding a way to reduce red tape in the bureaucracy of this confederational system he's trying to put together. And that's yeah. fine, but it's not its not quite what it was billed to be, I don't think. Right. And part of that has to do with, A, the budget, of course. And, yes. B, they just don't have... They don't have a, 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 a um, massive, vast, star-spanning antagonist or issue to deal with. No. You know? Yeah, I mean, the the big bad this season have been has been heart failure and a lone assassin and yeah. the drowsy up to no good. And that's, right. I mean, you know, if you go back to season one or some part of season two, you don't get a lot more than that. But you just don't have a sense here that. I, we we there hasn't been a Mr. Morden shows up moment yet. You know what I right. mean? There hasn't there, there hasn't there, been anything like that. 
Right. There's there's nothing that makes you stop and say, "Wow." There's no mm. sense of wonder. There, there's no. nothing, even in the even in the the pilot episode, which was you know shot on a shoestring budget. There were still moments in there that made you go, "Oh, wow, that's a cool concept." That's pretty or, cool. Holy yeah. cow, that was neat. Yeah. Mm. And we just haven't. I, I I don't I don't. Maybe we've been spoiled since we've had four yeah. seasons of that. But so far th- this season, there really hasn't been anything that made me stop and say. Hey, that's that's something science fictiony and super cool that you don't see anywhere else. I think another problem we've talked before numerous times about how Babylon Five works best in the long form. Yes, and because they killed off the long forms at the end of season four, they had to not right. You know, it's not their fault, not JMS's right. fault, but he had to. Um, because of that, season five has basically turned into sort of standalone little mini movie type things about bureaucracy, as I said, and that's not how the show works best. We need to get a sense of a building story. And, and, and you can say, well, the telepaths. But the, the, I think it's a universally... I'm sure there are people that are huge fans of Byron the Telepaths, and that's fine. You know, great maker, bless you. Enjoy. But I think the general sense among most Babylon 5 fans has always been that for in, in terms of an ongoing building a plot the telepaths didn't Byron just didn't get the job done there there's no menace there i mean yeah. the, Byron and his crew don't come across as threatening and whatever they're f- supposedly fighting against is never represented enough to be threatening so there's mm-hmm. no menace there's nothing that makes us go ooh he's the bad guy or yeah, wow, they're in some serious trouble here. It, it, it just doesn't. There, there's no. There's no oomph there for for him as a as an antagonist. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to think how to say this. It's like if you tune in for a show that's billed as going to be about the great dramatic moments of the 20th century, and you're expecting World War One and World War Two and the Cold War, and you get like. A civil rights case. Well, I, or, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. Right. That's not to say those aren't important. Those are very important, right. but it's not right. quite what you're expecting or have come to expect to be the A plot. Those are more B or C plots. And I'm just going to keep pouring all my ammunition out here at the very beginning, Andy, because this keeps leading to things I was going to say. Uh, this show is going to be f- longer in the front, shorter in the back now. But I was just going to say, one of the things this episode really made me realize is that season five so far is a bunch of B and C plots in search of an A plot. Absolutely, 100%. We have it. not yep. yet had a Babylon 5A plot. Not a one. I mean, again, the, the last episode, I really enjoyed the last episode, the, the Long Night of London Morlari. I thought that was kind it was of a better nice than I remembered, plot. yes. But, right. But, but yeah, I definitely see what you're saying. It, even even that show, that what I don't know. I, I definitely agree with you, though, that so far it's been, yeah. I, it, it, the, 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 so far the season is looking for something to, to hang your hat on. You know? Yes, yes. Right exactly. now we don't. Right now we have some cool moments and we have a neat little plot line here and an interesting plot line there and then a bunch of really bad stuff. But there's nothing to, to hang on to say, okay, I'm going to watch the next episode to see if this carries yeah. over or if this happens or what, what is this building up to. There, there really is nothing. The, mm-hmm. the, the Byron thing is not an A-plot no. story arc. It's, it just it's isn't. Not. It's, it, not. it's something that should have been supporting mm-hmm. other stuff, the, yeah. an, another bigger story arc and there's there's just nothing there 
if you're going to have Byron in the telepaths, make that a B plot that continues week to week, and and bring right. in bring in like an Ari Ben Zane or somebody to kind of shake the foundations a right. little bit, rattle the rafters a little bit. We if don't even had, we if, don't even have a bombastic Jakar anymore. Right. He's, he's everybody's so mild, freaking mannered now. They're all so polite. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, if they, right there, there's no there's oh man, if they had. They could have kept all the political stuff if they had emphasized the politics of it all. Yeah. Like I said a couple episodes ago, if they had made this more like a, a West Wing type stuff, there were mm-hmm. some real menace and some real drama and some real pathos in those episodes oh, because yeah. it was about the politics and about you know building the, the building a, a, a um, building a movement and all that stuff and mm-hmm. and they have. Bits and pieces and flashes of that, like the thing with Jakar writing, you know, the 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 document of the, the statement of principles. Mm-hmm. If they had given more meat, I mean, the Drazi thing was introduced and resolved in this episode. Yeah. If that had been, if there had been more political political shenanigans built up over four or five episodes, or even more, if that was mm-hmm. the A plot driving everything, that could have been really cool. That could yeah. have been really something. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say too. Everybody's so mild-mannered. Everybody's so polite now. We've lost all the bombastic characters that could shake things up. And to the to the point that I was, well, in retrospect, thank goodness Garibaldi shows up in this episode and kind of does do a little Garibaldi stuff. He's the one lively part of it, right? right I mean, even right. Byron is like on Prozac. Right. But when Garibaldi, but here's the thing, I was so conditioned to that being the new normal, everybody is just so calm that when Garibaldi started getting turning into Garibaldi and getting riled up and stuff, I was like embarrassed for him. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh no, Michael, you quiet down a little bit. You're, 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 right. and then I'm like, wait a minute, we need this. But my first reaction right. was to be embarrassed for him being kind of loud and boisterous in the middle of all this, all this zen, you know? Right. I agreed. Yeah, so, it seemed very low key. All right. Well, we'll we'll have more to say about this. I I think as we go along through some of our categories, we're going to see. I think we're going to illustrate what we're saying by the things we have to choose. Right. Mm-hmm. The the choices that we're that we are left to make illustrate the problem. Right. Okay. So I have a few. Did Did you have any random factoids and notes this time? Oh, let me see. The only thing that I had was uh, the. Um, Ranger that died, yeah, was was played by Bart Johnson. He's he looked the, familiar. The, yeah, yeah. He may look familiar to you because he went on to play the coach in the High School Musical franchise of movies from Disney. Oh, he was, maybe so. He was the high school coach. So yeah, he he was in all of those movies. I might have seen him when Maddie or Mira was watching it when they were younger. Right. Very well, possibly could have because I remember that show. That, that was his um, claim to fame. There you go. Yeah, I knew. I knew I'd seen him for somewhere. Um, say, the the guy that played the Infili, I didn't get his name in the credits either, but he seemed. I I got something to yeah. say about him in a minute too. All right, <laughs> all right. Um, man, the telepaths have great hair. They do. They they were. Oh, Connie, <laughs> Connie, that's the first thing she commented on when Byron walked in and did his hair flip. She goes, 
Oh my god, is this a L'Oreal commercial? I know! I know it! I know! There, tele- telepathy <laughs> in your brain so makes your hair fluffier. I like, yeah. I was like, you are exposed five minutes to Byron, and you're already picking up on the Byron hate five. It's awesome. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, it just shows that it's not a cynical thing. It's a natural reaction. Right. It's just how... And I feel right. bad for Robin Atkin Downs. I think he's a fine actor, and I like him, but man, I they gave too. him a character that... Uh, I was reading some interviews of you know that that they had about this episode, and he was so into that character, and he thought he was doing great stuff, mm-hmm. and he's like, "JMS is giving me poetry. He's giving me Shakespeare. This is, this is juicy meat that any actor could live, you know, off of." And, and I'm he's, just thinking, oh, he's, he's poor man. Well, he's right in the in the general terms. He's right, but he is. But he never gets appreciated by the fans for doing no. any of that. He thought no. he was doing, you know, fantastic work, and he oh, just bless got his heart. Just, but I know I felt bad for him because he he seems re- reading the interviews. He comes across as such a nice, genuine guy. I mean, yeah. he loves Patricia Tolman. He said it was she was wonderful to work with. You know, I learned yeah. so much from her and all this. Stuff. So, yeah, it, it's it's too bad. Yeah. Yeah, I told you the one time I actually saw him in the wild was at Dragon Con, obviously, when he was running up the escalator and I was going down the escalator and he had this, re- I looked back at him and he had this really cool black satin crew jacket on with the shield and the sword and the B5 and I'm like, I've got to have that jacket. In hindsight, I should have just mugged him and taken it from him, but <laughs> I instead tried to go buy my own and never could find that one. I got a different one, but I never found that one. Um, let's see. This is really the first time Sheridan and Garibaldi have had a conversation together alone since before the big falling out between them. Oh, yeah. And it was very Garibaldi interesting. Even kind of men- Garibaldi even kind of mentions that. He says, you know, ever since I saved your life a couple months ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, after putting it in saved, jeopardy. Saved but, it yeah. from, yeah, saved Yourself. It from what again, Michael? <laughs> yeah. But it was just interesting to see the two of them alone again because I still haven't gotten over it. And I still am, I'm still, when Garibaldi's around Sheridan, I'm like, <gasps> keep an yeah. eye on him. It could revert, you know. It could, there could be a second, uh, if they could do like poor yeah. uh, Talia and have a second personality. Best um, could come in. Oh, that that is something. Well, we'll uh, I can get into that later. I don't want to interrupt you. Um, let's see, White Star ninety. I like how at the very beginning of the episode we are basically informed that they have a lot of White Stars now. Yeah, yeah. The the religious cast has been a lot less doing, spent a lot less time praying, and a lot more time welding apparently <laughs> lately. Because they well, now built that the them. workers are. Yeah, now that the workers are in charge, they're putting everybody to work. Well, I was going to say, maybe that's the secret is that it's they're not just built by the religious cast anymore. Maybe now they're actually right. the workers are actually building them. I mean, that probably crank your productivity up. Because you, you can imagine the religious cast, they'd like put in a rivet, say a prayer, <laughs> sand off a little corner, say a prayer. It does take forever to build a white yeah. star at that rate. But they, they, they have a ritual that they do before oh. they put each part on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah you I actually marry the rivet before it actually goes into the <laughs> ship. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah. But I just like that he slipped that word 90 in there just so we would know they have a lot. You know, he could have said white star yeah. four, and then you'd be like, I don't know how many white stars they have. When he said white star 90, I'm like, dang, man. They, they've been, there's more white stars than there are eagles on Moonbase Alpha apparently now which is <laughs> which was always the benchmark for me you know right right um how many near death rangers have now shown up on Babylon 5 oh good lord that seems like, to be their thing they show up they die yeah man if a ranger comes Marcus is the only one and well he no well, it didn't go so well yeah. for me never mind never mind that uh, that is to show you how how t- how dangerous the situation is you show a ranger and then you kill him 
That's it. That's the Rangers, exactly. The Rangers are like the the wharf of next generation. If you want to show how bad at, how bad an alien is on Star Trek Next Generation, have him kick Worf's butt, and then everybody's like, "Whoa, ah, they're serious." Interesting. Okay. Um, oh, this was the closest thing to a big special effect episode this season so far. But even then, I think all the special effects together made it last at about fifteen seconds and didn't actually involve any combat. We saw the the Raiders a little for like. We actually saw the Raiders in the scene that's used in the opening credits, and that's it. Right. We saw about two seconds of the Drazi Sunhawks turning around, which was funny, slamming on the brakes and turning around. That's hilarious. That was one of the best things about the episode was the Drazi getting their comeuppance. I don't think I mentioned that in categories, but I'll go ahead and mention it now. And then then we got a couple of scenes of White Stars going through the jump gate or whatever. And that's about it. Yeah. So you'd think... If you didn't know any better, you'd think, well, episode one, episode two, episode three, there must be an end of the fire coming up soon. I don't think there is. No. I don't think so. I think we're just, I don't think we're saving up special effects right now. I think this is just what they have right now. Right, right. So, um, let's see. I mentioned that it's not so much empire building as wrangling bureaucrats in a tiny, tiny room. Um... Is Byron's view for is Byron's vision for telepaths and his view of them as a totally separate species from humanity? Is that an improvement over Bester's view? I mean, maybe, but it doesn't seem like as much of an improvement no, as you might want. Because yeah, because he he very specifically told Tally at one point, no, 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 not different species, a better species. Mm. So he's got the whole Homo superior. Homo, like, I was gonna like, say. You know, I don't know if he's Magneto or Bester's Magneto, but somebody is right. Magneto at this point. You know, right. And uh, yeah. and there's no Professor X. Right. I mean, Magneto had a sympathetic origin, at least. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's kind of Byron. We'll see. But yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? Bester kind of had one, too. The, that's a cool thing that, yeah. that yeah. I never, I, I didn't remember that. Lita brought up Bester was a good man before he started doing the the death thing with the, mm-hmm. the scanning dying people yeah right and then that yeah. took a piece of them one too many times and that just left all the bad parts i thought that was fascinating that is that was interesting if, yeah if, that was that if, was the one thing we still needed to know about about bester yeah right how could he turn into such a heartless monster yeah, yeah that's right interesting. uh let's see just a few odds and ends the title is from hamlet act two scene two what a piece of work is a man, how noble in reason, how infinite in faculty, in form and moving, how express and admirable in action, how like an angel in apprehension, how like a god. The beauty of the world, the paragon of animals. Um, there's the draft of the Interstellar Declaration of Principles, but I'm not going to read it because Jakar went back and changed it again. Right, <laughs> a couple times. Yeah, he kept, it's better. It is better. Uh, there's a few unanswered questions. Uh, how are the Raiders able to nearly destroy a White Star? That seemed a little much for their capabilities, but the White Stars yeah. seem to be as capable as they need to be for any episode. Right, right. And at one point in time, there was like there was a great threat that the that the uh, White Star fleet would be wiped out. I'm like, by the Drazi? I know. What? Mm, they, they could stand up to you the shadows and the Vorlons, right. but not the freaking right. Drazi. You could throw every drowsy ship in the fleet against a handful of white stars, and I, I, my money would still be on the white stars. Yes, I, I don't know would. what. I, 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 I didn't see the the big threat this episode that they all seem to be worried about. They're going into a trap. Uh, okay. It didn't help 
that they said send all the white stars because I I, I, I I assume that they made such a production out of saying we're going to send all of the white stars in order to say that if this ambush succeeds the interstellar alliance is disarmed they've lose they lose their entire fleet right so there's a right. big thing on the line but the problem is we don't buy that that could happen so right. if they had said we're sending a third of the white stars well even then i think they'd still win but at least it'd be a right. little more plausible it wouldn't be as big of a danger as losing your entire fleet but at least it could seem like maybe the bad guys could do that right there's no way they're, the Drazi are going to wipe out every white star. There just was no way. Yeah. Not if there's I, at least I, I 90 did. of them. Right. I didn't buy it. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Did the Infili ever join the Alliance? We don't know. Did the Drazi sign the Declaration? We don't know. Did Earth join the Alliance? And if so, who signed the paperwork for Earth? Was it Lockley? Was it Sheridan? Ooh. Did they send it back to President Luchinko? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. That I would have to be things. ratified by the, the Congress. The Senate? Those jerks the in the Senate. Senate. Man, if you don't like our current Senate, look at the Earth Senate on Babylon 5, man. What a bunch of crooks and criminals and ne'er-do-wells make up that Babylon 5 Senate, the Earth Alliance yeah. Senate. They're awful. They are yeah, they awful. Are. Oh, man. You know, that is one thing. Uh, uh, science fiction is all about taking current technology and yeah. current social things and extrapolating from there, and JMS hit that one on the head, man. Yeah, he did. I mean... Yeah, they're yeah. they're really bad, uh, and, and you know their their great nemesis was Jeffrey Sinclair. <laughs> right, <laughs> he gave him more crap than Sheridan ever thought about doing. I love that. Uh, Sheridan has the power to order the White Star Fleet into combat. Is that a power of the President of the Alliance, of Sheridan in particular? Do the Rangers still owe allegiance to Sheridan to Lynn personally? Uh, does command pass to somebody else? I mean, how exactly is the, what is the chain of command? Sheridan's big on the chain of command. I'd love to know the chain of command with regard to the uh, the military of the Interstellar Alliance. Right. Is is there like a constitution for the for the Interstellar Alliance? They have, they're, they're, they're they're big on the declarations. I'm not sure they're quite right. as big on the on the on the right. constitution. I mean, yeah. Right. Uh, pardon me for saying this, but right now it seems to be that uh, John Sheridan's kind of like a dictator. He's a benevolent he dictator, holds, but a right, dictator nonetheless. Yes, I'm not saying he's a bad a bad guy, but he is he has dictatorial powers for sure. I mean, he yeah. was appointed. He wasn't was never elected president. He was appointed president by his wife and two of his buddies. <laughs> I mean, you know, nepotism there, and yeah. he's got complete control of the of the intelligence services. He's got complete mm. control of the the military side of things. I mean, man, if John Sheridan were ever to, you know, go bad. Oh, wait. <laughs> We've seen snippets We've of that. We've seen that. Uh, deconstruction of Falling Stars in particular. Um, let's see if there's anything else. Uh, just some questions as to who exactly trained these highly trained telepaths that Byron's handing over. Were they psychops? Were they trained by non-human telepaths? Uh, we got, we need, we have information. We need to find out about those guys. And then I have a, few, I have a few JMS speaks. Uh, he was asked about Kim Strauss, and he says he does tend to play Drazi's a lot, primarily the ambassador for purposes of continuity, unless he's not available. Um, we're going to get to that in just a minute. Uh, Sheridan and Delenn were not drinking alcohol at dinner uh, because Delenn can't drink alcohol, obviously. Uh, so it was not because she's Mimbari, at least partially. And Mimbari can't drink alcohol. Remember Lanier? They get uh, psychotic. Oh, 
<laughs> Go back to I season one, Andy. That. Remember? Yeah, I forgot about that. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Can't drink alcohol. Um, season one. Oh, JMS made a funny point that just as Jakar says his muse is talking to him, they show the writing credit for JMS on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. They did that on purpose, he thought. Uh, let's see. Byron's feelings about mundanes come out later in more detail. I wouldn't call it a hatred, JMS says. A resentment, yes. Certainly there's a sense of having been mistreated, but he's surprisingly not a violent person, as we will find. Um, uh, Byron stuff I don't, I'm not interested in. Uh, about the shot of Lita outside looking into the council chamber, JMS says the Lita outsider view was to further reinforce her being on the outside of the group. I, that was interesting because I wasn't sure what they were reinforcing there. There were a number of different avenues of thought you could go down there that she's watching them wrap up the thing she helped to wrap up. I could have I could have read it as you know like right. like she's standing there like. Took care of that, handle that business, you know. I could have seen it that way rather than like an alienation thing. Maybe right. I'm, I guess I'm just misreading no, I, it. I, 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 I kind of saw it like how JMS w- was saying that because it, it did seem like she was not, not, I don't know, I don't know how to put it. Like she wasn't wanted there or something like that. She was there only because, I, I don't know. It, it, it did feel a little awkward that, that, yeah. how, how she was standing there like that. Well, everything about Lita in this, last season and a half is awkward and that's a, that's by design right right and you know what was really awkward was that that outfit she was wearing with the hairstyle she had on with the bangs and the headband and then the mini skirt with the tights yeah she looked like a go-go dancer from the 60s yeah i, mean, I liked it though cute. but it, it was kind of odd yes yeah I liked I liked the outfit with like the jagged black and green division on yeah, they, yeah, non-symmetrical. That was cool. I, I did like That's that. very much in the design uh, realm of the of of I guess the lady is Anne Bruce Ailing that does the that does all the costumes yeah. and yeah, it's very I'm not much. Not saying in Go-Go it. Dancer is a bad look. I'm just saying it was just <laughs> unusual for Babylon Five. Um, somebody asked about the Infili race sounding a lot like the Infili uh, Minbari cruiser. And JMS said it's just a coincidence. All right. Oh, we have a new category this week, Andy, and I didn't I didn't tell you in advance because I wanted to spring it on you and get your reaction. We have All a right. brand new category, and it is the Byron Annoying Meter. <laughs> yes, it's the Byron Annoying Meter on a scale of one to ten. On a scale of one to ten, we're gonna rate how annoying Byron was so far or this episode. And oh, I think this is gonna wow. surprise some people because I think that you know I think some of our listeners expect us to go to like DefCon ten with Byron immediately, and I don't know, I don't know. So, right. where would you rate Byron's annoyingness on a scale of one to ten so far? Oh golly! Right now he's out of five for me because with 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 the hair flip and he came across <laughs> as so smarmy this episode. Yeah, yeah. When, like when he brought Lita in and and told her to sit and then he jumped and barked at her and said no, you know, and he kicked the chair out. Kicked the chair over. I was like, oh man, that's a little bit over melodramatic type stuff. Yeah. So he's yeah. out of five right now for me. I'd say. Yeah. I'm going to give him a two for right now, but I think that part of that is because I know 
I can see the future. <laughs> I ha- he has telepathy, but I have the power to see the future of Babylon 5. What an amazing power, right? And so I think he's at a two right now because at this point, when I watched it the first time back in 98, I think I was like, oh, he's interesting. He's not that bad. And like you say, the scene that you just described, yeah, I was like, oh, that's, uh, that's a little much, laying on a little heavy, a little thick. But other than that, I thought so far he was int- I was intrigued. I'll put it that way. The first time I've watched this, these these three right. episodes, the telepaths and Byron, I was like, huh, I wonder where this is going. Because I'm on the record as saying the telepaths, to me, are the least interesting major plot character group on the whole show. I never even used the telepath deck in the Babylon 5 card game. I just didn't right. care. Because they're so lame. I mean, <laughs> they just walk around and, well, and, and mope. Well, the telepaths, even the Psychor, even Bester, who I admit is a great right. villain, but other than right. him, they're just so much their own thing. It's like a different yeah. show when it's about them. It quits being a space opera and turns into a show about mental powers, right? right. And that's I, fine, I but it's not what I'm here for, right? right? It's just not. And so I just, t- to me, the telepaths just take the whole thing down a blind alley that I don't want to go down. Yeah. So that's which one is, of the reasons why I've. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the reasons I've never been that excited, like some people, about seeing the telepath war. I just, I mean, I'd watch it and I'd be in- interested, you know, just like I watched the animated movie. But I, I can just tell you right now, if you told me any other Babylon 5 topic could be a, sh- a, a movie or they could do the telepath war, I would pretty much take any other. Any right. other alley you could go down than the telepaths. Because, again, it's just so much its own thing. It's like another show that occasionally comes and crosses over with Babylon 5 when Bester shows up or something, you know. Right. So. Right. I'm with you. So you would, you would take a show about the Pachmara sanitation workers over... <laughs> <laughs> well, we almost get that next week. <laughs> so don't get too ahead of yourself there, no, young man. Oh yeah, that's a missed opportunity. They should have had one of those guys be Pac Mara. That would oh, be brilliant. Lord, yes. And I'm I tell you right now, I I'll I'll i I'm gonna save it for when we get to that, but I got something to say about that too, yeah. as you might imagine. All right. All right. Um, oh, oh! I didn't even tell you what the category numbers were. One means he's being a pretty cool dude, Byron. Okay. Ten means feed him to the Pac Mara. <laughs> So you got him. You've got him halfway down the Pac Mara's throat, yeah, right? Already, right. I've only got like he's, a couple of fingers in his end. So he's sitting in their toes. pot right now, like the Bugs Bunny cartoons when you know they got the, the guys sitting in the pot. They're 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 still alive, but they're well, seasoning them. And yeah, all that stuff. they're seasoning them. I hope the Pac Mara are at least singing for him while they season him. Ooh. All right, let's get into the real categories. I'll bring that one back if I can remember, because I am curious to see how it evolves for both of us. Uh, what was your high point right. of this episode? High point for me was uh, when they were doing the, the voiceover, the reading of the, the uh, uh, statement of principles. I thought that this was is really cool. This is correct. Yes, this is the yeah. answer. And when it switches from Sheridan, who Sheridan can do some things with his voice, but that's not one of them, right? He, right. It's funny. He was doing his best to kind of emote this thing, and then it switched right. over in mid-sentence to Jakar, and you're like, oh, yeah. there we yeah. go. Jakar brings so much more gravitas to it. I mean, it was yeah. it was much better, but it was it was cool. Yes, it was. That was definitely the high point. Um, and that's that's the type of thing that they could have built yeah. whole episodes around. You know how he came up with that, and how oh, they, they, they just give us a little taste. Even in season one, it would have been a whole thing. It would have been like part of yeah. the dreams about that. Right, right. What was your low point, he, he dares to ask? 
Oh, I don't want to keep banging on the, the telepath, so I'm not going to. Okay. Uh, my low point for me was the death scene of the, the ranger. And I'm not saying a low point as in it was poorly done. I'm saying low point as in it was it was difficult to watch because no, the, the, you know he was he was still young and mm-hmm. and to to realize to look down at your own body as it's dying and then being able to ask somebody is this me am I dying? I mean that was that that was that was emotional. That was rough. Very reminiscent. Oh gosh, yes. Um, very reminiscent of the the death episode of the Sandman on Netflix, which just yes. rips me apart every time. I've shown it in my religion class a couple of times, and I'm like, ah. Which, by the way, my students when I show that, they're always just like, <laughs> and I'm just like, you inhuman monsters! Don't you have any emotions? Because I'm like, oh my god. That if y'all don't know what I'm talking about. They did a they did a season of the Sandman Neil Gaiman's who this is B five related because Gaiman's coming up yep. later in this season, yep, in uh, a good one, and um, they did a uh, they did a they did one season of the Sandman and it is spectacular and the episode where his sister Death shows up is just rip your heart out and stomps on it. It it's it's very very well done yes, yes it's spectacular. Absolutely. My low point was that we have Andy a new. Oh, how long have we waited for this? How long? How long have we waited for a new inductee into the Orenzento Ari Benzane Overacting Hall of Fame? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The alien guy that was the <laughs> Infili leader. Dear Lord, great maker. What? I mean, all right, I, I wrote down just a short little example, okay? All right. In 12 days... They will come in force. If you come, we will live. If you do not, we will die. And I'm like, I vote let them die. (laughs) (laughs) I vote death. Who else is with me? Death to the Infili and their overacting chops. I can't stand them. Yeah, he was was pretty bad. And he's oh. the only one. Every every other in Philly just looked like they were stoned or something. They just sat there and stared <laughs> yes. off into space. Yes, Mercat, Mercat, they're they're here. Look, and Mercat would just stare off into space like, oh. dude, <laughs> dude, you must come here and look at the stars. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> just bomb them for. I'm with the Drazi. I'm with the Drazi here. It takes a lot to get me with the Drazi, but I'm 100% team Drazi against the Infili at this point. Now, that that could have been an interesting plot point. The Drazi ambassador could have seen, but just talk to the guy. You'll understand <laughs> yes! why we're trying to oh my God. nothingness. Yes. Their whole yeah, yeah. Oh. Be wiped out. <laughs> Sheridan, Sheridan confronts him, and he's sweating. Right? We saw Drazi sweat. I'm pretty sure. Right? right. And right. then the and then let's just say that the Drazi's. Oh, here here go Kim Strauss. Right. <clears throat> right. <laughs> and Drazi's like, but Sheridan, you should look. You should listen and have a conversation with the Infili before you blame Drazi. And Sheridan's like, all right, let's call him up and see. Ah, is this the Infili? You have reached the Infili. We have answered our call. Sheridan's like, kill him. Drazi's right. Kill him. Let him go. Not wasting well, us. Get, not well, wasting us. We got mass drivers left. Yeah, we got the mass drivers. Oh my God. Oh, I didn't realize that this show, this episode of the, Babylon, the White Rocket Battle 5 review podcast was going to descend into genocide, but here we are. Here we are. Just think about it. The Markab died, and these people live. 
<laughs> the universe is cruel and unfair, Andy. The Marcab are dead, and the Infili carry on. Oh, it's just not fair. Anyway, that was my low point. I think I've made my case. I will move on. What was? We're going to get some comments for this, I'm afraid. Oh, dear. <laughs> We're going to get half the comments enjoying that and half saying we're, in, we're inhuman monsters and we right. all we deserve mass drivers upside our head. Um, Smiling Johnny's going to send us to hell. <laughs> He's going to. Somebody is. Uh, what was your most Babylon 5 scene? Most Babylon 5 scene was when the Alliance uh, votes on the Statement of Principles. When they all get together in the... After the the, the whole scene with them, you know, with, with them uh, confronting the Drazi and then everybody signing all at once. I thought that was very Babylon 5. That's pretty cool, yeah. I had the most Babylon 5 scene was Lita explaining about being inside somebody's head when they die and all that. But I realize I'm contradicting myself because I just said it's like a whole other show when the telepaths do their thing. <laughs> so it's not really the most Babylon 5, I guess. Even though Babylon 5 does devote an awful lot of time to the telepath. So yeah. maybe it's, maybe I'm proving myself wrong or right. I don't know. But anyway, there we go. I'll leave it at that. What was your favorite character moment this time? Uh, my favorite character moment it was just a very small moment when after... Everything was signed. They they worked so hard to get the the uh, um, the league yeah. or the, the the alliance members to sign it. And Sheridan's got them all piled in front of them, all signed and ready to, to be archived for posterity. And in comes Jakar, like any writer, <laughs> yes. wants to do another round of edits on his yeah. his finish. Won't let it go. He's just got to rewrite it just a little bit. I, but I made it better. Look, and then Sheridan looks at him and goes, "He made it better." <laughs> <laughs> That was funny. It's never finished, Andy. It's just abandoned. Right. No, but that that was very that was very new age Jakar. Yes. Oh, I mean, uh, there's a couple of Jakar moments that made me. There was something. Uh, there was something Jakar said. I don't know if I wrote it down for any of our. I don't think I did. But there was a. Mo- I, I meant to. I meant to put this down in my notes and I forgot. There was a moment where Jakar said something about saving all life and protecting people. It may have been in the Declaration of Principles, right? Yeah. And I'm like, this is so not the Jakar. He really has changed. I mean, the f- season one Jakar would not recognize this guy. No, his statement of principles would have been entirely different. Entirely it different. Would be- it would have began and ended with kill all Centauri. Centauri <laughs> yeah. who deserve nothing but death. Oh, man. Um, yeah, that it just he- hearing him say that, I was both inspired and like, Man, can you believe it's Jakar, right? The right. the guy we thought was the Klingon, you know, at the beginning of the series, and he's right come so far. So wow. Whereas Londo, he's learned some lessons, but he's still Londo. <laughs> he's still, he's you know what I mean? Yep. He didn't. He, he changed just enough to not be Hitler in space anymore. But otherwise, right. he's pretty much still the same. Yeah. He's, he's not as drunk. He's not as drunk in the casino, and he's not as third reich in space he's kind of happy in the middle <laughs> both ends got chopped off of londo leaving just that kind of normal center right yeah. right uh my favorite character moment was delin telling sheridan crap son send the whole fleet right she's just <laughs> like yeah why why sold anything back john just send the whole thing and and she quotes ducat i love this that she quotes ducat in terms of like the art of war right you know if you can create enough fear in your opponent, you not you may not have to fight them at all. And terror is a form of communication. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, the Minbari have been trading off of that for years because people are scared of them. Right. Absolutely. Now, rightfully, they should be. But the Minbari, I mean, how many times on the early on the early seasons did somebody say, "Oh, don't mess with the Minbari," you know? 
Yep. They're they're yep. just short of the Vorlons in terms of don't mess with them. Right. So they didn't mess with them. Right. Yep. So if you if you can make the whole rest of the galaxy think you're scary, you don't have to ever fight. Right. Fly the black flag so people freak out when they see you coming. That's it. Yeah. Um, funniest moment. There were actually several uh, this episode. There, there were quite a few, but for me, the the funniest moment was when uh, Londo was saying, "You know, kill me now, please, so I don't have to deal with this anymore." My wife actually said, "He feels like I feel right now after watching this episode." <laughs> oh gosh! Oh. <laughs> but there there was a point when when uh, he said, "Just put me to death," and Jakar goes, "I second that." <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was really good. They had some couple. Of, they had a few good inter- exchanges here yeah, because I because I had the one after I think after that where I don't have the exact quote because I when I watch these I, sometimes I'm I, as I I sent you a picture I sent Andy a picture yesterday that I was watching the episode on my iPad in the in a little in an inset box while I had my Google Docs notes open so I could type notes as I was watching. That's pretty handy. But at other right. times, I'm like watching it on my phone or on my TV and then write stuff down later. So I don't always have my notes right next to me when I watch. But it was something to the effect of, Jakar says something like, even the Centauri have signed this document, and they're terrible. And Londo's like, right, hey. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Something like, it was, that's, that's close enough, right? That's, that, was the, that was the gist of it, that Londo like, agrees know, man, and then realizes. Right. Wait a minute. Wait, you know what we should do is we should, we should post that picture for the, the patrons oh, yeah. showing your, your high-tech setup of everything you do. And then to contrast that with my chicken scratching on my little <laughs> notepad and pen, you know, my analog, how I, how I take my notes. It's, you send me a picture of that, and I'll put the two of them together and put it on the Patreon I, page. I can do that right now. Do that, yeah. The other funniest moment I had was that Sheridan, Sheridan actually did a Londo impression, which was pretty funny. I thought, that was, I thought of you when he did that. Oh. Like, oh! Yeah, he was about as good at that as I was, which is not good. <laughs> Um, I feel like we're going to agree on this. Um, who won the episode? Uh, I would say the Infili won the episode because they didn't get yeah. wiped out. I, we don't agree then. No, I mean, I agree with you, yeah. though, but that's not who I had. But you're right. No, you're right. I didn't, right. I didn't my, think my second, about them. Yeah. My second, my second was John Sheridan because he got, he got everybody to sign the... I, that's a good one, too. I didn't have that one either. Really? Now I'm curious to see who you had. I had Byron won because he got what he wanted. That that's legit. He yeah, he got Talia, or Lita. I mean, uh, um, Lita Same to thing. to kind of yeah, right. Redhead, not the blonde. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, right. He got Lita to kind of I don't know, come over to his side a little bit. And I think that's his plan. Is I, right. I I feel like he he yeah he got her over to his side a little bit, and he's put telepaths with Sheridan's people now, which right. I, I this is not a spoiler because honest to God I don't remember. But but I would just say to you that if if I were Byron and I wanted to put Telepaths close to the president of the galaxy, I would act very reluctant until he like begged me to and then do it. That way there'd be less suspicion. Whereas if I went right. to him and said, Hey, Mr. President, can I stick a couple of telepaths next to you? Right. Sheridan'd be like, Heck no, get them out of here, right? But right. instead he had Sheridan sending Garibaldi He'd be like, Oh please, Mr. Byron, please right. take our tele send us your telepaths. Well I don't know, Michael. You know what right. I mean? I mean that's probably a smart way to do it. Yep, make the other guy think it was all his idea. All his idea, yeah. So I feel like Byron, and I had Lita kind of won in a way too, because I know that I know all of this is Lita losing, 
But in a way, too, this was Lita kind of finding another direction and finding something else to believe in and be excited about for once. And I call that a win for her, at least to this point. Where it goes, we don't know. But to this point, I think this is Lita at least getting something, right? She's kind of been like a, to, to quote Mr. White in one of the James Bond movies, she's been a kite tossed in a hurricane, Mr. Bond. And now at least she's got a little bit of a tie down. Maybe, but we'll see where that goes. Yeah. We'll certainly see where that goes. Who lost this episode? Oh, I think I think we know who. Well, I said that the other, other one, though. Yeah, I I have the Drazi lose. Yeah, the Drazi. Because they got completely embarrassed. Like, they completely. Did. How 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 do they let them back into the Alliance at this point? I think it's one of those things where you have to just look the other way. I think you have to make it very clear to them, we cold-busted you. You didn't get away with anything, and we could have let your entire fleet get wiped out. Yeah. And you know that, and we know that. Now go sit down next to the next to the other dudes there. I, oh, I can't even remember who they were. Um, who do they sit next to? The the the, the Brakiri probably right. Go sit uh, down over there. Are the Brakiri in the back row on the right? The the, yeah, the, the game. They were next to the people with the the big, the, kind of the big heads. Yeah, the big sponge. Orange punch, which you kind of like the Markev, honestly. That throws me off always. <laughs> and uh, oh, the Lord was there. Did you see the Lord Ambassador was there? I love him. He looks like a mascot for like a baseball team. He's got the big oval head and he's kind of brown and he never makes any facial expressions other than just kind of like. Oh, the one that looks like the Armadillo? Yeah, he's Armadillo. The yeah. Armadillo. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Lord. I love the Lord because it's like. See, here's the thing. For the most part, the aliens that we see on the show a lot are pretty good, right? The 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 right. the Narn are great. The right. Vorlons were great. The Mimbari are great, right? The the non-player character aliens on Babylon Five have always been garbage, right? They're just terrible. Yeah. They're they're like the night they're like the Cantina in Star Wars in nineteen seventy seven. Honestly, <laughs> in fact, the honestly. The the council chamber reminds me of the of the cantina in right. Monsizely. It really does. I don't I don't I don't want it to, but honestly, it kind of does yeah. at times. So. Nobody nobody can move their mouths or their eyes or anything exactly. like that. They, exactly. It's all a bunch of rubber masks. And That's, then on the other on the other extreme, you have the Infili who had just a little bit of makeup around the ridges of their eyes. Very Star Trek. Them. Very Star Trek, yeah. Very Star Trek, that, yeah. That's, that's the first thing I That's thought. another reason I didn't like them. They were Star Trek aliens on Babylon 5. Right. Dude, but, uh, you're in the wrong episode. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're supposed to be on Deep Space Nine. This, this, is a, this isn't some Deep Space franchise. This show's about something. <laughs> the station's about something. Um, by the way, I have a note here before I tell you what, who, who I thought lost it. I, I agree it was the Drazi. Drazi not like losing episode. <laughs> Drazi plant bomb infusion reactor. <laughs> That's what I was expecting to happen next. Um, but uh, that was that was a little better. That was a little better. Kim Strauss Drazi. That was, that was very good. You've you've been doing. You've been nailing Kim Strauss this this episode. I'd he's say. harder to do. It's hard because they sound like some other people a little bit. It's, it's hard to get down into that. They almost turn into. St- Disastrous if you're not careful. You have to be careful right. with them. They almost right. turn into Zathras. You don't want that. Yeah. Zathras not want to sound like Drazi. <laughs> Drazi not want to sound like little furry man. Drazi blow up Epsilon 3. Um, you know who was missing, though, that I felt... Oh, cat butt. <laughs> I have a cat Sorry, appearance on the show. Up on my lip, yeah. He did jump up. You know who was missing that was very sorely missed for me from the council meeting... The Vree. Where were the Vree? Right. That's a good question. I don't talk, know. 
talk about Babylon 5 aliens that can't move any of their facial features. The Vri are just right. like big white heads with black eyes. But they yeah, have cool are, ships. They have those flying saucers. They did. Yeah, they did. I really like those ships. Did you notice that the the armadillo alien didn't sign it? He he used a stamp. <laughs> I didn't notice that. The Lord, man, don't don't right. shortchange his, the Lord. His hands were so claw-like he couldn't even hold a pen, uh, so he just picked up a stamp and stamped it. That's too bad. Uh, I do like so, the the game though. They're pretty cool. I do too, especially at when once we saw without his mask on. I thought oh that was Lord, cool. put their mask back on, brother. What? <laughs> who you never told us who you thought lost well the drazi lost the vri lost because they weren't included in the signing of the uh maybe they oh, didn't okay. join the maybe they didn't join the alliance maybe that's what it is maybe they maybe kicked not. out yeah um they're too maybe maybe the alliance doesn't look fondly on kidnapping which is what the vri right. do yeah. right yeah. right they, um, they they didn't the vri didn't like that part of that, that clause <laughs> in the uh statement of principles the vri. no kidnapping clause Vri have told us they cannot come to meeting busy kidnapping humans. Perhaps come later. Um, the Raiders lost, which yeah. belies the whole just win, baby. <laughs> I knew you'd they get should, that. They should, yeah, as a football reference, that was, that was cute. Oh, I'm not done. Andy, if the Raiders uh, lose again, they're going to have to move again. I mean, Oakland, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, the Drazi homeworld. <laughs> Al Davis is going to be so disappointed if they have to move again, you know? Oh, that's terrible. That they should terrible. have thought of a better name for them. It's just the Raiders. I mean, that's not even a colorful name, you yeah, know? that's pretty bad. Yep. Uh, and then the last ones that lose, those of us who consider the council chambers the worst set, and you and I have talked about that a lot, and by extension, yeah. some of the alien ambassadors to be at about Doctor Who in the 1970s level of, oh, it looks terrible, yeah. but that's okay because it's a great story. We kind of lost because it was the, the council. I feel like the council everything visual let them down this episode. Yeah. They really, well, like I said, that the set was smaller. They didn't have the, the even the, the limited number that they had before. They didn't even have that many of the, the aliens present. So it was, yeah. It, it, it was a big disappointment. Think about some of those scenes we saw in the early seasons when they were in the garden in a restaurant outdoors yeah. and with yeah. Sinclair and, and Catherine and everything. And then compare yep. it to this, it just feels so much smaller and more claustrophobic. It's disappointing. Yep. All right, here we go. We got to give our rating. And man, I'm I'm nervous to hear what your rating is for this one. This is We, we do rate on a scale of zero to five with halves. What did you rate this one? I gave this one a 2.5. I wanted to give it a 2 because I really, really, really didn't like it. Um, mm. But there were some really cool points. The the bit with Jakar and the writing of the Declaration of Principles and the, the bit where they, they got the, the Drazi, um, I, I thought both those were pretty cool points. And so it bumped it up a half a, half a star. I gave it a 2.5. And for a lot of the yeah. reasons that you cite, it, it wasn't a particularly exciting episode, but it did have just enough little things in it. I, I was a little ner I was a little cautious and nervous about that though because I was thinking back to how we rated the first season and I, I kind of wish I'd kept all my records the way you have because I'd love to compare how this season stacks up when we're done to season one right did we end up rating right. I feel like season one's gonna win oh yeah I, I if it keeps going at this rate I, I think it will hands down yeah. Because we were we were pleasantly surprised by multiple episodes in season one. We were, yeah. I mean, we gave yeah. like we gave some we had like we had like a five, yeah, at least we, one yeah. five in season one. Yep. 
Yep. So, all right, 2.5. And I, this is where I was going to mention it feels like we're running on B and C plots and no A plots. Right. And I want to say I like the I, – I, one of the things I like, though, that I had to mention, I like the twist that it was – it was the Drazi all along. I like that. I like that it, yeah, the twist. I, that was good. I thought that was a neat twist, too. Yeah, I, I, I did enjoy that. We got to thank the patrons. Those are the folks I mentioned before that went to www.b5review.com. The patrons, that was the other thing that we do, right? I said that they, they get the episodes early and they get yep. to participate in the discussion. And I thank them all personally on the show. They include Allison Rich, Leah G, Rich Hammett, Ben the Paragon of Patrons Rose. Look at Ben. All right. Nice. Well done. Uh, <laughs> Debbie No Spoilers Norris, Dragon Con Delin, Emma Jane Alexander, Emmanuel Seaman, Grumpy Old SGU Fan. Well, Grumpy, just hang tight because Andy and I are going to get back on the on the, uh, dis- on the the Destiny. I had to stop think what the ship was called. <laughs> we'll climb back aboard the Destiny pretty soon. Jalja, Mondo6, Michael O'Connor, Middle-Aged Geek Tim, Pete now able to set off the radiation detectors at any international airport. Furman, okay. <laughs> uh, Steve Palmer, Stu Parker, The Geek Boy, Una Vez and Una Luna Azul. I think I'm getting better at that. Uh, yeah. Dr- Drazi Green. Heather and Yancey Steingraber, Ice Cream Clone with a Boba Fett head, and uh, New Pulp Reader and Writer. All right. We appreciate all of you. Go to www.b5review.com. Thank you. Thank you so much. Here are just a few of the messages and comments that they have they have left for us. Let me see. Ah, the very we got a, we got a few comments on the very long night of Londo Malari. Let me just run through those quickly. Um, I always have a hard time finding where they begin at the top or the bottom. Jalza says, keeping with the birthday theme, air date January twenty eighth ninety eight, the twentieth anniversary of my twenty first birthday. All right, very good. New pulp reader and <laughs> new new pulp reader and writer says from an excerpt on Susan's episode. I found the A plot for the proposed season two episode. This is when there was going to be the very long night of Susan Ivanova, and we we don't know much about right. it. So he says, he or she says, the A plot for the proposed season two episode was season two, interesting, was to have centered around the outbreak of the Narn Centauri War, while the B plot would have featured the founder of Babylon 5 visiting the station. Interesting. That um, would be interesting. There was also a C-plot that would have seen Ivanova being ordered by Sheridan to take some time off. The shadow attack that led the declaration of war between the Narn and the Centauri was later moved to the coming of shadows, while the story of Babylon 5's founder was at one point moved to the season 3 premiere, Matters of Honor, but was ultimately dropped. The episode title would later be partially recycled for the very long night of Lana Malari. There we go. Well, we now know way more about it than we did before. Yeah. That's interesting. That is. It that's, really is. That, that, man, that sounds like some cool stuff that we never got to see. We never saw that, yeah. Uh, ben, the paragon of patrons, rose. <laughs> that's so good. Zach was wearing his Earth Force uniform and sleeping in light because after he went back to Earth, he got bored and re-upped about six months ago. For those who don't know, re-upped means that he re-enlisted. Okay, so we were, yeah. we were debating which uniform he wore at which time, so that's cool. Right. Allison says, now that all seems to be good between Jakar and Londo, there was stuff left unsaid and undone. 
This episode wraps it up to a certain degree, of course, before the next tragic occurrence, which will happen to Londo. Regarding Delenn, she cares, and that's stuff that we've already, you know, kind of been hinted at plenty right. on on War Without End and others. So that's nothing, no spoiler. Re- regarding Delenn, she cares deeply for Lanier, and she loves John deeply. She's doubly torn because she is half human, half Mimbari. How could she not be torn as a highly empathetic character? That's very fair. Uh, and then finally, Allison said, and this is very important for us tonight. Allison says, go ahead and be as wacky as you guys like. It will be a good coping strategy as we all make our, make our ways through the telepath story arc. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, that's funny. Good, that, good call, Allison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, um, well, we were pretty wacky tonight in points, and it's usually my fault. And, bless Andy's heart. He tries to be serious and professional here, and I just drag him down in it every time. It's just terrible. It's almost like one of us is constantly drinking wine while doing the <laughs> podcast, and the other one isn't. Yeah, I would. <laughs> For those that don't didn't get that, Andy always has a lovely glass of some sort of, of red there in front of him. And I'm, it's, it's I, have, now, but. I have my little can of uh, sparkling water that I drink. So. But I had, I had a couple of beers at dinner, so I'm that's probably part of it. Uh, let's see. Ben again says, I love the scene with Garibaldi and Lita. Back in moments of transition, Garibaldi said to Bester, are you looking to hire somebody to find out what happened to your personality? Well, now we know what happened to Bester's personality. <laughs> then That's, that's good. That's, yeah. Then later when Garibaldi says, if not for me, then Sheridan, uh, oh, like to do it for him, then she turns to walk away angry and she starts to say something like, oh my, clearly the thought of doing a personal favor for Sheridan doesn't turn her frown upside down. I can't imagine why she'd have such a hard feelings towards smiling Johnny. I'm going to go back right. to my F size quarters and think really hard about that. I'll get back to you. <laughs> I, did I miss something there? What am I, what am I missing with, uh, with being, well, I, I, when, uh, when, um, Garibaldi was asking Lita to go down and talk to the, the telepaths about coming yeah. on board his department. He said, can you do it for John or yeah. can you do it for our cap or C- captain Sheridan? And she, she almost punched him because she was like, there's no way I'm going to do him any favors. You know, yeah, you could tell that right. that's what she was going to say. Okay. And then Garibaldi kind of saved it by saying, you know, I promise this will be the last time I ever ask you to do anything for me until next time. Until next time. Right. Yeah, there you go. Kind of, kind of made her laugh. So, All and right. even when Sheridan, even when Sheridan thanked her, it came across as very reluctant and cold. It did. Yeah, yeah. He, you and I have remarked before that he has his moments where he's like, we kind of like, John, come on, man, what are you doing? Yeah. Yep. So I feel like Ben had a, like a little uh, Firefly reference in there, too, but I'm going to leave it at that. See, I, I've, I haven't only watched like one episode of Firefly, so I, <sighs> it, if there was one in there, it went over my head. Once we finish Stargate Universe, we know where we're going next. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a hard sell because that one episode of Firefly I watched, I hated it's the best show, man. It's so good. I don't know. Anybody. Oh. Patrons, help me out here. Firefly, thumbs up, thumbs down for Andy. Help me out. All right. A couple more and we'll be done. Pete, said, Pete, now able to set off the radiation detector, says, I don't believe for a second that Delenn felt anything but guilt for Lanier leaving. She cares for him, but it's never been that kind of love. I agree. I don't know what the debate about her knowing or not is all about. Since when he started to almost tell her he loved her, she stopped him and said, I know. Okay. But I totally agree with the opinion that Lanier was going off to join the Rangers to try and become a badass to impress Delenn, and it's really not a bad plan if he's playing the long game. He knows at most Sheridan is only going to be around another 19 years. 
That's a good point. Uh, leaving about 50 years for him to be with the Lynn. All he has to do is wait. And then he says spoilers, which I think is right, fair. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. And then finally, our last comment for this episode, Ben says, how exactly did the Drazi think they were going to beat an entire fleet of Wysar? Well, hey, thank you. Right. Thank you. And yeah. even if they did, they'd be exposed as the bad guys. Let me let me just pause being here for a second and point out, these are the Drazi we're talking about. <laughs> this is true. They don't exactly have well-formulated yeah. plans. Yeah. <laughs> I said, feel like blow up. <laughs> the, the Drazi are like the dudes that on a whim rob the gas station when the cops right. are parked next door having donuts. Right. They're, they're, they're that level of... Of high-level right. thinking, right? Every Drazi plan starts with, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> hold my Jovian sunspot, I keep telling you. Oh, yeah, hold my Jovian sunspot. <sighs> Do not drink it. Um, yeah, let's just remember who we're talking about here. And whatever was left of their fleet wouldn't be able to protect them from anyone, right? Uh, no, he's right. Also, I'm yeah. happy that the acting has improved for rangers who come to Babylon 5 with bad news and, again, are usually mortally wounded. Yeah. Uh, in in Severed Dreams, James Park earned his Orenzento Area Benzane Overacting Award, but this time Bart Johnson gave a brilliantly subdued performance. I agree, but at, at yeah. least we did give get we did get to give out a Zento Benzane Award this episode just to somebody else. This is true. That's some who was it that was always saying, "Bring back my category, Mister." Yeah. One of our patrons had our, his name, so we finally brought it back. That was I know who it was, but I can't I can't pull it off the top of my head but i remember exactly yeah uh you are in my category mister um <laughs> let's see and then finally he says another reason i love this episode is that in true babylon 5 fashion and while trying to avoid spoilers the events of this episode directly impact the events of the next episode which is one of my favorites in the entire series and i think he's talking about lone night of londo malari impacts paragon of animals so ben clarify for us because there's a lot of pronouns there not a lot of direct nouns are you saying that paragon of animals is one of your favorite episodes the entire series because because andy has been savaging it the entire (laughs) not me I think he's saying that the a view from the gallery might be his favorite of the okay i'm not clear on that but i'll i That that I could that see, I could get behind. I, I, I could say, see View from the Gallery right. being somebody's favorite. I can't quite figure out how Paragon of Animals could be anybody's favorite episode. Only, but, I, but I don't know what in Paragon of Animals is setting up View from the Gallery. I, I, I don't know. We'll have to see. Well, it says the events of this episode directly impact the events of the next episode, which is one of my favorites. All right, so clarify that for us a little bit, Ben. We give we give instructions to our patrons. And uh, with that, that is our listener comments for um, this episode. So uh, let's see. Next episode. We're going to do spoiler space here in just a second. I have one thing. Next episode. I have one, I have one thing as well. Okay. Next episode is 505 a view from the gallery and i'm interested to watch it for one reason What's well that? plus because of who it's supposed to actually be in real life um but that was always i found that out after the fact and was like oh i would have enjoyed the episode more if i'd realized who the two guys were supposed to be a big guy and a little guy right mm-hmm. and this babylon five okay right um but um should i just say it should I say Go it's spoiler space? I'll say it, I'll put it in spoiler space. We'll say it's okay. spoiler space. Um, but um, 
I, I don't remember that episode specifically. It's been a long time. But I remember that in season five, the standalone episodes are generally better than the arc episodes. Right. And this is, this is one of those special standalone type deals. It is. All right. All it right. is good. All right. We're now... Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Got, got down that jump gate. Do you have one thing. <laughs> oh, I thought you I thought you meant you had a spoiler, so I was gonna introduce no, it for you. No, no, no. We do oh, okay. have one thing we need to discuss. The the oh. books. Oh the books. Yeah. Do we do we wanna go over the list of books and and just give a thumbs up or a thumbs down whether or not we're gonna review it? Okay. Do it. Fire them up. Well, here's uh, I sent you a list of everything. Yep. And it's broken down by which ones are canon and which ones are not canon. Yep. I think I think we should just do all the ones that are canon. That's fine with me. So that yeah. would eliminate like most of the Dells, yeah. I don't even the have Dells them. Voices. I don't even have those. So okay, for for uh, for Pete, who has been dying for this list, I'll just run down the list of which ones are canon. Then yes. Um, let me see. So we have the, sh- the these are the Dells that are canon. There's two of them that are canon. The Shadow Within, written by Gene Cavellos, who later does the Public- Technomage trilogy. Yeah, pu- published in 1997. And To Dream in the City of Sorry is written by Catherine Drennan, uh, also published in 1997. That's Mrs. JMS at the time. Yep, at the time, yep. And then we go to the Psychor Trilogy, uh, written by the wonderful uh, Jake Gregory Keyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Dark Genesis, Deadly Relations, and Final Reckoning, The Fate of Bester. Oh, Dark Genesis, The Birth of the Psychor, Deadly Relations, Bester Ascendant, and then Final Reckoning, The Fate of Bester. Mm-hmm. Those are from 1998-1999. Then we have uh, The Legions of Fire Trilogy by Peter, the great Peter David. Yep. The that Centauri is books. The Long Night of Centauri Prime, Armies of Light and Dark, and Out of the Darkness, published in 1999 and 2000. And then we finally have The Passing of the Technomages, uh, written all three of these were written by uh, Gene Cavellos, and that's Casting Shadows, Summoning Light, and Invoking Darkness, all published in 2001. I don't think we really need to go into the novelizations. Um, no, no. Unless, unless you really wanted to. No, I don't really want to. Okay. And then we can we can look into maybe later on doing some of the short stories or whatever. Okay. Down the road. I think I've still yeah, got like copies that, of everything. Like that fantastic one about uh, Marcus. Oh God! That everybody loves. <laughs> yeah, I had two copies of that, and I sold one on eBay or to somebody because I'm like, I think one is plenty of that. I'm I'm good with right. having one copy of that. Uh, but yeah, I've got the I've got those. I can scan them and send them to you or whatever. The the pages is they're, okay. they're pretty short. Um, and they honestly they're to some degree they fit into the show better than the. Um, than the novels do, other than the Centauri trilogy. Centauri trilogy right. obviously is basically season five point one, yeah. but but um, the Psychor stuff of Bester is just interesting if you're interested in Bester, and he's a very good character, so it's nice to have some its background on him. I I was so excited for the Technomage trilogy when it came out. I blew through those books, and I was like, eh, they're all right. They hmm. the thing is that Gene Cavalos did not do with them what I kind of wanted done with them. I wanted them to be operatic. I wanted them to be over the top, entertaining, um, dramatic, right? That's their whole thing. And she just kind of made them like technicians. Yeah. Working on a, working on a machine type of, you know, they need to be like, 
acting. And she had them just kind of like acting. Yeah. So they're well written. They're just not in the the, the style I was kind of looking for. Yeah. So, all right. Um, thank you for doing that. Yeah, I have most of those up here behind me. In fact, um, I've got all nine of the Del Rays, and I've got City of Sorrows. I don't have the one about the shadows from the Dell books. I never bought that one, but I'll have to track it down. Okay. Yeah. All right. Are we ready to go back through the through the jump gate? We are. I'm sorry to have jump gate activated. Okay. Oh, I got a, just a um, just a couple. I thought I had one thing, but I don't. I guess the only thing I have then is I didn't write the thing down. Was that I was just going to mention that? Oh, oh no, there's two things. One is I'll go ahead and say the view from the gallery. The big guy and the little guy are supposed to be JMS and Harlan Ellison. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so that was interesting. That would have been funny if they actually portrayed those characters. <sighs> I know because they do appear on the show, both of them at different times. Yeah. JMS yeah. is the janitor, and and yeah. Harlan is the voice of the computer at one point. Right. That uh, JMS may not have been much into acting, though. I've never the only acting I've ever seen him done was in the movie Thor, and he didn't do a very good job. Yeah, it wasn't great. At least he was in it. <laughs> um, and then the other thing was uh, from from the uh, we made a note about from the deconstruction of falling stars was how we mm-hmm. knew oh about the telepaths right mm-hmm. we we kind of have a sense of where this is going because there was a scene in the from, from deconstruction of falling stars where they were holding Garibaldi and going to kill him, remember? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. Hey, you know, I just thought of something from while I was listening to our last episode. um, You mentioned that uh, um, Sheridan was wearing all the different uniforms of his stages Mm -hmm. in life. Yeah. How did Londo know what he, how he died? How he turned into the ball of light and then ah, disappeared. Maybe it's that famous prophecy power the Centauri have. That's a good question, oh, though. But yeah, that's, a, that's, go. a, that's a good question, though. Yeah. That may have been a case of JMS just getting too cute and wanting to show, right. tip his hand, you know. Yeah. And and not stop and think how it, because it, it, it was in Londo's head. It wasn't like in real right. life. But right. I'm sure JMS's right. answer would be the Centauri have prophecy powers. They can see little glimpses of the future. Right. Remember Londo seen his death. Yep. You you win the no prize for that one, Mr. Well, I, I don't know. I that's that's a cheap that's a cheap way to get out of it, but I think that'd probably be what he would say. Right. I don't know what else you could say at that point. Because I think you're absolutely right and I hadn't thought of that. It hadn't occurred to me that Londo wouldn't know that. Because right. we see it and we just think it's Sheridan. It's we we know that Sheridan does this, so duh. But I hadn't thought about how would Londo know that. <laughs> so that's right. good. That's good. All right. Anything else before we wrap up for this this episode? No, sir. I think that's everything. Paragon of animals. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I think it uh, very mid. I think as we say. And, yeah. and I just want I want to wrap up by saying I hope that we don't disappoint or make anybody mad or put off because we're being honest with our reactions here, um, but. I don't. We're not just going to spend all of season five crapping on everything. I don't. I wouldn't want to hear that, and I don't want to do that. Right. But we are right. being honest about here's what we thought, here's what we didn't like, and here's what we thought could do better. So I feel like there's a right. there's a constructive ground we can walk that's not entirely negative, and I think that we've and we've been. I, trying to, I agree. Yeah. So. Uh, because and, and we poke fun at at how bad some of the stuff is, but we are still huge, huge Babylon Five fans, oh, and we still love exactly. the show. Exactly. We're not. We're not. We're not 
you know, uh, digging the show or, you know, degrading the show because we're trying to be cool or anything like that. We're no. that we still love the show. We're still Babylon Five nerds. This is just yeah. like you said, our honest reaction to this. And reaction to. to be perfectly honest, we're we're not the only ones who feel this way about <laughs> no. season five. So. No, yeah. no, 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 we're not. Yeah. No, not. I remember having to dig through all the negativity when I was watching it the very first time when it was airing. You know, right. first airing and thinking, oh man, and that was really early days of the internet to a degree too in ninety eight. Right. So. Yeah, which is yeah. still, which is why I find the the uh, the uh, P five ratings being so high so interesting. It is interesting. Well, let's see how it goes as we go further along too. Right, right. That's a good. Oh, point. It's going to be interesting to see. All right, we're going to get on out of here for another, another episode. But Andy and I will return in two weeks to take a look from the view from the gallery. All right, have a good evening, uh, Andy. All right, man. You too. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment Production.